Good morning, everybody. All right, I'm Brian. Uh, Matt had some really good stuff to, to share there, especially about community groups. And I know we've got a lot of leaders here, so thank you. If you're already leading, if you've done that in the past, thank you so much because it makes a huge difference in people getting connected and growing spiritually. So we're continuing our series called Better Today, and I just need to confess something that maybe you don't know. As a speaker, there's a unique challenge when you're talking about the Bible or applying Jesus's message. It seems that almost every time in preparation for a message, the speaker is challenged with its application. So before you guys ever get to hear it or experience it, the speaker is wrestling with it and experiencing it themselves. So as you study and reflect on the Bible and Jesus's message, you're confronted with your own need to apply it. So for instance, if you're speaking about patience, you can almost guarantee that your patience is going to be tested. If you're speaking about trust, um, a crisis will invariably pop up that causes you to trust in God. It's kind of painful. Today's topic is sleep. I've never been more sleepless in my life. As I lay in bed with my mind just tossing and turning with, okay, what, what needs to be said about this? What does the Bible have to say about it? Your mind just gets racing. And studying just builds up that tension. And I discovered a truth. Something deeply that would help. Ambien. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's a little deeper than that. How many of you got a good night's sleep last night? I see. Okay, there's a good number of hands. You guys are lucky. How many of you did not get a good night's sleep last night and were hoping you'd catch up on it during today's message? There's like six. I like the honest people. That's where I want to be. 60% of Americans say they have difficulty sleeping every night. 60%. And there are two main problems that typically arise when it comes to sleeping. Falling asleep and then falling back asleep once something's woken you up, right? Whether it's an external noise, something in the house, or an internal noise, something in your head. Falling back to sleep is incredibly difficult. I love this quote. My bed is the magical place where I suddenly remember everything I was supposed to do. Anybody else? Okay. Very magical. During COVID, this was like the quote of my life. Every time I would lay down to sleep, my mind would wake up. It was as if I'd shut my eyes, but my brain kept going. And I would wake up feeling spiritually, emotionally, physically drained, even after sleeping. Now, we're going to look at one aspect of this. And there's a whole lot of aspects to sleep, whether it's healthy lifestyle, physical activity, food, um, counseling can help in a lot of situations. Medication might be necessary in different scenarios, but we want to talk about one specific aspect. Now, two weeks ago, uh, I talked about resilience and we discovered that the word resilience does not occur in either the biblical Hebrew or the biblical Greek. Like it does not happen in the Bible. Sleep is the other end of the spectrum. We like hit the jackpot with sleep. The, the Bible loves sleep. So in the Hebrew Bible, there's as many as nine words for sleep, like nine different types of sleep. In the New Testament, Greek has upwards of six. Like the Bible loves sleep. We're not going to go through each one of them, but I want to give you a synopsis of what they mean, kind of how it is used in the Bible. So sleep, much like today, is a metaphor for death. It's a time when dreams and visions can take place. 
It's a time of vulnerability when you're at your most uh, vulnerable and others can take advantage of you. Too much sleep is, is symbolic of missing one's true purpose. When the heart and soul are asleep, that individual misses out on what God is doing. It signifies trust and contentment and is an image for rest and safety. And those last two are a little bit of where we're going today. Now, with all this sleep talk, what struck me as I, as I read the Bible, especially the Gospels and what Jesus has to say about it, I began looking at Jesus's life and for his 30 some years on this earth, he is said to only, he's recorded of only sleeping once, once. Like I know some of you are like, okay, I know he's God and he's man and all that stuff, but like he has to sleep more than once, right? So the gospels don't record everything that happens in Jesus's life. We know that, but they did record one instance where he slept And since this is the only time it's recorded, we have to stop and say, okay, what in the world? Why is he sleeping? And how can he sleep? What is the scenario, the context around this, that they felt it necessary to say that Jesus was sleeping in this situation? So we're going to look at Luke 8, verses 22 through 25. One day, he, Jesus, got into a boat, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they set sail, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And Jesus awoke and he rebuked the winds and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. He said to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? So this is the only story where it is said that Jesus is sleeping. And it is the story where he should least likely be sleeping, right? Like his disciples are terrified for their life and Jesus is oblivious, passed out in the boat. They're like, dude, what are you doing? You're leaving us hanging. Like the one time you should be awake, you're asleep. Now, if you know anything about the disciples and the stories in the gospels, the disciples are the exact opposite. Every time they're supposed to be awake, they're sleeping. And, And so... We, we stand up a little bit and say, okay, what in the world is going on? Now, if you don't know, many of the disciples, many of Jesus's closest core group of people were fishermen. Like they grew up on this very lake. From a young age, they would be fishing and getting familiar with how to navigate a boat on this very lake. The storms were not new to them. The Sea of Galilee, the storms would come in very quickly and then dissipate very quickly. And they were very comfortable with navigating. But for some reason in this scenario, they become unglued while Jesus is sleeping. Now, as we look at this story, there's two storms that we have to note. The first is the external storm, the winds and the waves. See, the disciples are confronted very practically and really, realistically by the water filling the boat. The waves rocking the boat back and forth so much that they can't get the oars in the water to get them in the right direction. They're in the middle of the night. They're in the dark with no way to see forward. And they're guessing is where they are. And then you have the chaos of the crew, the disciples yelling back and forth, trying to figure out what is going on and how they can survive The storm and Jesus wakes up and what does he do? He tells the storm to cease. Now this storm for the disciples is very concrete. Like this is a real natural event. 
But metaphorically, we can kind of make some connections in our own lives because we are constantly bombarded by external noises, external storms that, that bombard us from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. They drain us of all our energy. Now, Microsoft did a survey. Said 77% of adults, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. 77%. Some of you are like, did he say something about the phone? That survey was done in 2015. Eight years ago. Can you imagine what that number's done now? There it is. I paid them to do that. It is amazing how that fills our lives every second of the day. This noise, this external storm, all the things around us that bombard us from the moment we wake up to the moment we lay down. Jesus says, cease. He rebukes the chaos of the external storms. Now, rebuke is an interesting word. It's a theological word. And throughout the Gospels, it's used when Jesus confronts demonic forces. And to clarify what demonic forces are, because that's kind of weird in our culture... It's anything that stands in the way of God's purposes. He tells them to cease. Tells them to stop. Derek talked about this last week. Jesus withdrawing away from the noise of the crowds and the people and all the things to find a moment to pause. We need to pause. Finding moments between activities, whether it's, you know, five minutes between looking at the phone and turning on the TV Five minutes between putting your shoes on in the morning and heading out the door. Five minutes between getting to your office parking lot and walking through the office door. Five minutes to cut out the external noises and just pause. It'll go a very long way in helping us settle those external noises. Because from the moment we wake up to the moment we lay down, we are filled with the TV, the radio, the phone, the iPad, all these things that are nice and good and helpful. I never want to go back away from some of these technology things, but we have to find disconnect, a moment to pause from them. The second thing that comes up, and this is actually where the challenge of sleep plays in most. Sleep is often the only time we're acquainted with silence, right? It's usually the only time where all the external noises, all the external storms are finally stilled. And what happens? You lay down at night and all is silent. And what happens? The noise in your head amps up, right? Studies have shown that this, for a lot of people, is the most anxious time of the day because there's no distractions. You lay down and their mind gets going 100 miles an hour. So how do we calm that internal storm? This is the second storm the disciples face. It's your fears and your uncertainties. That's what keeps us up a lot of times at night. The mind gets going. We can't fall asleep or we can't fall back to sleep. Now, this is where I nerd out a little bit. So if you got one of these caffeinated chocolates, I don't know if anybody got these on the way in. If you didn't, grab them on the way out. This is kind of the anti-sleep message. But um, caffeinated chocolate, this will help you keep up during this next section. Jesus is recorded to sleep only once in the Gospels. But this one story is recorded in three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So he only sleeps once, but it's recorded in three of our four accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are called synoptic Gospels. 
In the Latin, that means to be seen together. They could be read together. And so when we put all three of these stories together, we kind of get a full picture of this one story. And what really excites me is as we look at Matthew 8, Mark 4, and Luke 8 together, these three stories, we can compare and contrast them and see where are they the same and where are they different because oftentimes where there's differences, there's intentional uh, reasons and theologies that the authors are drawing out. And so these three stories, all of this one event, line up pretty well. The language, the vocabulary is very similar, but there's one very big difference. Who the disciples call Jesus, the title they give to Jesus. And I think in this title, it'll help us understand how to sleep better, how to calm the internal storms. So here they are. Matthew, the disciples call Jesus Lord. In Mark, they call him teacher. And in Luke, they call him master. And it's the, the confluence, the, the, the bringing together of these three titles for Jesus that I think gives us a full picture of who he is. And if we hold all three of these in balance, it'll help calm the inner storm. So this is what it means. Lord, in Greek, is the personal relational name of God. It is a relationship to someone to whom I have given myself willingly to. And they take care, they protect, and they provide for me. Secondly, teacher. Somebody who's very purposeful. A teacher is somebody who leads another person in, in systematic instruction. In other words, God has a purpose for what's going on. And he has a purpose and a direction that he wants to take us. And then finally, master. He's powerful. Master in Greek is just the fact that he is supreme over everything. Knowing that you have a personal God who cares for you, who leads and purposefully guides you, but is also powerful enough to bring about the changes that you need and the purpose that you're longing for, that can help calm those inner storms. Holding these three things together can bring amazing comfort and quiet. Sometimes we don't sleep because we don't trust Jesus as personal, purposeful, or powerful. We want to hold on to it. We want to wrestle with it. We want to question it. And we we can't focus our mind on who Jesus is. It's quite neat because there's a point in Jesus's life where he applies these three things. In his prayer. Mark 14, Jesus is getting ready to be put to death. And he knows what's coming and he says, my soul is deeply troubled. It's actually overwhelmed. And he goes and prays and he says this prayer. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Do you see the three things in there? God being personal. Let's back it up one more. God being personal. Everything is possible. He is powerful. And then he is purposeful. Your will. Jesus applies this because he knows holding these three things in tension is actually what will help bring calm to your inner storm. The most painful moments of his life. He leans in, he focuses all his mental energy and spiritual energy to knowing God as personal, purposeful, and powerful.
This morning, I wanna walk us through an exercise that will help us better see this principle. And then we're gonna go through something that'll help us apply it. So in your seat, there is a card in, in front of you or if you're in the front row, underneath your seat. I want you to grab one of these white cards and a pen. Grab one of these white cards and a pen. Everybody here, this is a great opportunity to actually apply something and actually dig into scripture on your own. So what we're going to do, once you have this card, this is the Lord's Prayer. And many of us are familiar with it. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where you memorized it. The problem is, is sometimes we memorize things and we can just spout them out and wrote, but we actually don't remember what it says. (laughs) It's quite miraculous. You get so familiar with something that you actually don't know what it says. This prayer is in a slightly different translation than maybe what some of you have memorized it in. And that's intentional because we need to slow down the process. We're going to take a moment to pause and reflect on this prayer. And here's what I want you to do with your pen. I want you to read it and go through as you read it and mark down a portion of it where you see God as personal. This is going to be different for everybody, but just for you, where do you see God personal in it? Where do you see God being purposeful in the Lord's Prayer? And then where do you see God being powerful in the Lord's Prayer? So take your pen, mark it down, box it, circle it, whatever you need to do, mark those things down. We're going to take 90 seconds to do that now. That exercise, and maybe for some of you, you're like, wow, this is the longest I've ever spent reading the Bible. Um, Maybe that 90 seconds felt like eternity to you. I want to encourage you to take this, spend time on it. Maybe everyone's answer, and we did this with staff a couple times this week, and everyone's answer was different. And we did it again the next day, and what I found really cool was that 
their answers were different from the day before. Because as we dig into scripture and we notice those areas where God is personal, purposeful, and powerful, we begin to notice that God brings out certain things given what we're going through in that moment. And we connect to different lines of this based on what God wants us to catch our attention. So for me in that first line, I mean, our father, that's deeply personal. Heaven and his kingdom of being powerful being kept holy, his name being kept holy is very purposeful. There, there's a calling that comes with that. This prayer was something that Jesus felt was so important. He said, this is something I'm gonna purposefully teach my disciples. He wanted us to get a glimpse of this, to understand it, to wrestle with it, because in this, it helps us balance and keep all things in check when we think about who God is. There's something in here that's incredibly important for us to lock hold of. Now, you may not know this, but the disciples, when they needed a prayer to comfort them, they couldn't pull out their smartphone and Google like prayer for stress. Like that wasn't an option. They didn't walk around with books. They heard prayers over and over again and they memorized them. Now, have you ever tried praying when your mind is racing? You've got problems. You've got a list of things that you need to do. How does that go? Fails. It's, it's incredibly challenging because one half of your brain is fully locked in on all the problems, right? And you're like, okay, I'm going to do the good Christian thing and I'm going to pray. And you get about four seconds into the prayer and your brain is still over here, right? And you're kind of praying about your problems, but you're more thinking about them than you are praying. And then you're like, okay, got to get it back on track. Got to get it back on track. And there's this internal wrestling that happens as we try to get our mind under control, but when we memorize something, when we memorize a prayer, there's something unique that happens in the brain. When we memorize, when we work on the process of memorizing something and recalling it, it actually helps put all our brain energy on that one thing. Because you're learning something, you're focusing on it, you're trying to recall it. And what that means is energy is redirected from all the other areas to support that area of repeating, of recalling. And I think that there's something that Jesus does in these two things, this pause and repeat, that can help calm the internal storms. So about two months into COVID, kind of when we realized this was going to be around for more than a week, and, you know, we had a four-year-old and a one-year-old in the house, two boys, and we're juggling Zoom calls and we're trying to figure all this stuff out and the anxiety is just building and weighing. Sorry to put you guys back in that moment. But I remember there was a very vivid day. My wife handed me a news article of another couple that was interviewed and they were detailing their day of trying to juggle Zoom calls and food and schedules and keeping kids occupied and sanity and marriage and all this stuff. And we just kind of broke down in tears that day because we were like, oh God, that's our story. And I laid down to sleep that night and my mind would just not shut off. I had been in the process of memorizing a prayer um, that I had just found interesting. And I'd been in the process of memorizing and it was in that moment that I said, okay, I'm gonna start repeating this thing. I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna repeat this prayer slowly and intentionally trying to remember all the different pieces and I'm gonna visualize this prayer. And what I did as I did that, put all my mental energy to it, it was amazing. 
It was as if the inner storm had calmed. Everything had quieted down. All the problems, all the racing, all the panic had started to calm down and I slept. I still use that. I used it this morning because there's something powerful in this ancient practice that the church has kind of lost sight in that can help us. Now, the process is more important than the prayer, if that makes sense. This idea of memorizing something and repeating something, pausing it and repeating is more important than the actual prayer. So we're gonna try this with the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna try it this morning. So I know life is crazy and hectic. And most of you, if you're anything like me, are like, man, I just want a moment to just like stop and sit. This is gonna be your moment. This is your moment. It's only gonna benefit you if you actually enter into this moment and pause kind of the external noises and repeat what we're gonna repeat. This is gonna be for you guys. It's not for me, it's for you. And I'm hoping that as we go through this process that it's something you can take home, this card you can take home and you can begin pausing and repeating throughout the day. So if you will, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna take a a few moments to close our eyes. I'm gonna walk you through taking in deep breath and then I'm gonna repeat certain lines of this prayer. What I'm gonna ask you to do is to repeat it in your mind or just under your breath. Match the cadence and the pace that I say the words. And as I say them, what I want you to do is to repeat them, but as you repeat them, also visualize the words. Does that make sense? As if you're reading them off a page. Because the goal is that we put all our mental energy into repeating this prayer. Because as we repeat it, it'll actually focus our mind on who God is and everything else around us will calm down. So let's take a few moments now. If you will, let's close your eyes. We're gonna have some silence. We're gonna close our eyes. Why don't you take in a deep breath? Fill the belly, fill the lungs. Don't breathe with your shoulders. Kind of take a deep breath in, hold it for a second, then let it out. Take a deep breath in through the belly and fill the lungs. Hold it and let it out. I'm going to begin reading in in your mind. Repeat the words. Visualize them as if you're reading them off a page. Keeping the same pace and cadence that I am. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need.
and forgive us our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Slowing down pausing and repeating. Jesus practiced this. The ability to calm the internal storms by focusing on God is personal, purposeful, and powerful. I want you to take this, any prayer, slow it down. Pause, repeat. You'll find that in doing that, all of your mental energy, your mind, your spirit, your body, Rest in God's grace and it prepares your mind to engage with sleep as you trust in who he is. Let's pray. God, I ask today that your peace would go with everyone here. That when we lay down, our minds wake up, that we would pause and repeat, that we would focus every ounce of our being on who you are. And in doing that, you would grant us rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, amen.